All right, everyone, welcome. Extending the play. Welcome back. Another episode with NFL Eagles insider John McMullen alongside myself, Ryan Rothstein. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Extend the Play. Follow John and I uh, at JF McMullen and at Ryan Rothstein 33. Jacob Media on YouTube at JAKIB Media. We're also on Apple Podcasts. John Rice for PhillyVoice.com and Sports Illustrated, as well at SI.com. And we are a part of SiriusXM and SB Nation Radio. So, John, we're recording this episode on July 19th, which is a Sunday afternoon, a humid Sunday afternoon. We already recorded an episode discussing the We Want to Play hashtag for the NFL and the NFLPA. So if you missed that, be sure to go over and, and check that one out. But John covered the NBA for quite some time, for those of you that may not know. And he knows just as, ba- just as well he knows uh, about basketball as he does football. So we're going to talk some basketball in this episode, maybe a little bit baseball. But, John, I wanted to start with the NBA with you and, and some lead stories. Does that sound okay? Yeah, I always love talking a little NBA, uh, especially bubble NBA. <laughs> That's right. Bubble NBA, bubble basketball, uh, as we can call it. So, John, we've we've covered Philadelphia teams. Um, you know, my old platform, I was really exclusively the big four in Philadelphia. A lot of Sixers and Eagles talk. Um, you still cover the Eagles and the NFL. But I figured, I hope the listeners don't mind, we start with the controversial topic that is Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. So, John, I'm just going to give you the floor and then we can kind of get into a good back and forth with a lot of things. But start off, John, what, what's really the lead topic for you? What's bothering you? What stands out so far regarding everything NBA? Well, I, I think from a from a Sixers perspective, I, I, I think there's some good and some bad. I, I, I think Brett Brown, for whatever reason, finally came to the conclusion and it shouldn't it shouldn't have taken this long. But, you know, I, I, I often talked about the regular season versus the playoffs in the NBA, how completely different they tend to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think Brett finally got to that point where he said, you can't win. Uh, in this league without a point guard that's willing to shoot. Uh, I think he made, he finally made that decision. And as I said, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. In fact, you have to consider a player's ego and all that kind of thing, manage personalities, but you got to be realistic about that. And, you know, if you think a couple of years ago, TJ McConnell getting significant playing time in the playoffs, he knew it way back then. You know, you have to have somebody willing to shoot the basketball in key situations when everything gets clogged up in the half court. I, I mean, that's just that just is what it is. And then the bad part is Ben, the three-point shot, what we're always talking about, these goofy 
videos of him shooting jumpers and empty gyms and everybody getting excited about it. How long has he been with that, Ryan? How many times have we been through this? It, every single offseason, John, I'm, I'm almost pot. That's not an exaggeration. I want to say the past three summers, I've, it, it, I, I've it, seen it, it and I've discussed it on air. It's unbelievable to, to me. I, I remember going back and forth with uh, Mike Gill on our old platform. He and I used to be divergent. And I, and I said from the day Ben got here, I said he was the key. He was the, the chance to be the difference-making player. Not that Joel Embiid isn't tremendously talented, but in the modern game of basketball, it's different. It's not mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain. Centers can't dominate the way they used to because the game has changed. It's become a three-point shooting game. And if you put all of, of Ben Simmons' talents, and they're immense, and there are a ton of them, and you add a jump shot to that, that would be the best player in the NBA. And that was my hope when the when – and I'm saying the Eagles, too much <laughs> Eagles talk. When the Sixers drafted him, I, that was their hope. I mean, let's be honest. It, it's very rare, extremely rare, to see somebody that talented with no confidence to shoot the basketball. I can't even give you another example. I usually have the other problem with NBA players. Yeah, right. They shoot Look, too when much. You're that, yeah, when you're that good – you tend to be selfish more than anything else. That tends to be the bigger problem. So Ben is tremendously unselfish, but at some, at some point, as weird as this sounds, that unselfishness becomes selfishness. Well, I, I think that unselfishness is masking his insecurities. Like he's extra unselfish because of his insecurities with shooting the basketball. And, and John, I'm with you 100%. Like, I don't think this story is talked about enough. And I know people listening could be like, what is Ryan talking about? It's nauseating how much it's discussed. I I would almost disagree because you hit on all of his abilities and he is an all-star. He's a rookie of the year. He is 6'10". He's strong. He can rebound. He can play defense at an elite defensive player of the year type level. I mean, he's unbelievable what he can do. He doesn't shoot the basketball in today's game. I mean, that is like a quarterback not throwing the ball. That is like a pitcher throwing it underhand. Like, And I'm being a little bit funny, but I think it's almost borderline valid comparisons that we have this guy as the starting guard, because it's not even a position league anymore. It's positionless, essentially. It's on ball, off ball. That's really it. He's on ball. And he's not shooting the ball. I mean, it's absolutely, it's mind-boggling to me, this story, that an all-star, a two-time all-star now, essentially has never taken a legitimate shot outside the paint in a meaningful game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's got to be incredibly frustrating for Brett Brown. I know a lot of people have criticized him. And I, I know for a fact, I mean, I, I still know enough people to cover the Sixers he's been drilling that into his head for a long, long time. But if somebody doesn't do it, there's only so much you can do. Uh, And yeah, I think you're right. I think 
you know, you hit on something that people talk about Ben Simmons ad nauseum. People talk about him too much. I, I agree with that, but where I agree with you is they don't focus on the right things, and that's what I was just saying about. You know, you have this one camp who says, oh, he's an all-star, sort of like Ben's, Ben's own camp. I'm an all-star. Uh, how could you criticize such a dominant player just because he goes about things in a different way? Well, you can criticize him because the, that way is not going to get you to the ultimate goal, which is an NBA championship, especially when he is uh, dominating the basketball uh, as far as running the offense. And that's where the Sixers are, and that's why Shake Milton's going to get more playing time, uh, and rightfully so. I, I think you have to look at, if I were Brett, I, I would go to more the LeBron James method. Yeah. LeBron would essentially play point forward. But even that's not a perfect comparison because LeBron obviously was willing uh, to shoot the basketball. But if you do that, at least you have better spacing. And that, I think, is a legitimate criticism of Brett Brown. Why it took so long to get to that point, that that's an organizational failure. Yep. You can't play into a player's ego just because he wants to play point guard. You, you have to sit Ben Simmons down and, and say, well, if you want to play point guard, you have to play like a point guard. Yeah. I, and I don't think it's playing into his ego. I think it's, and I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but just to go into that statement a little bit deeper, it's more of them coddling him. It's more of, yeah, you know, coddles we, part of it. Yeah, yeah we just want to give him a chance, and the chance was, I think, the longest, um, you know, biggest chance that you can give a professional athlete to prove himself at point guard. And and John, you touched on something. Uh, in like your opening statement, I guess we can call it, where you said, you know, Brett Brown's decision with point guard. And now, you know, that relates to Shake Milton, presumably taking a lot of those responsibilities. And you pointed to TJ McConnell. I think it was game four, maybe game five of that second round series two or three years ago against Boston, where he inserts TJ McConnell, the Sixers steal a game against the Celtics. I don't know if I want to give Brett Brown credit for that. And I ask you, I think it's more of an organizational problem. I think you hit the nail on the head that I don't know how much control Brett Brown really has over his players and lineups when it comes to that. I think it's more of not even the front office, more of like the ownership where they're finally saying to Brett, okay, you can do this. Make sure you do, you know, X decision or Y decision. Well, I'm certainly never going to defend Sixers ownership with Josh Harris. That I mean, anybody who knows me that's heard me talking about this team knows that. I, I think he's a terrible owner. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine the Devils fans think that as well. I would imagine if he buys the New York Mets, they'll be thinking that as well. Um, but beyond that, I, I'm not being there every day. Uh, as I was at one point, it's difficult to tell. I, I think it's got more to do. I'll, I'll go more in the direction, and that's why I was saying I'm, I'm not going to give Josh Harris a pass on anything. But I, I think that has more to do with the modern NBA. Like, I, like I, I think if you go back not even that long, 10, 15 years, 
you could go to a player and say, look, I, I mean, you're doing this. And for the most part, with rare exceptions, true superstars could obviously you go all the way back to Magic Johnson uh, uh, getting Paul Westhead fired. Uh, it happens. Uh, it, it happens in this league. And it has happened for a very long time. Superstar players have incredible power. Uh, and, and that part's not going to change. But I think it's increased over the years. And look, as good as Ben Simmons is, he's not Magic John. You know what I'm saying? He's not yeah. top two, top three players in the league. He's a very good player. Uh, but even it would trickle down from players even less than Ben Simmons. They have tremendous power. Uh, to steer the direction of a team. And that's not, that's not a good setup. I mean, but to me, that's an NBA problem. Yeah, but you know what, just to cut you off there, John, because that's, that's a really good point that you bring up. And it is, I I guess, a negative that the players in the NBA, if you're a superstar, you are essentially the owner, the GM and the head coach, as well as the superstar on the floor. Um, I haven't seen Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid act like a superstar yet in their career. And what I mean by that is just really taking the lead, whether it's in front of the media, on the floor, um, how they handle themselves on and off it. Like, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's just Ben Simmons, and that's fine. It's not necessarily a criticism, but it can be a, a negative how – Ben is very shy and reserving, and really so is Joel Embiid. He's a big personality, but off the floor, he's said it himself. He's a reclusive type of guy. He doesn't go out. And I'm not saying I want those things, but they're not like superstars how other NBA superstars are. And I think that's been part of the locker room issues that go into that team, one through 15. Yeah, I, I mean, I A, I would agree with you, and, and B, I think that's more of a personality-driven thing. Because um, I mentioned, that, you know, if you go back to even using LeBron as an example, look, LeBron, no, no player in the history of professional basketball has been given more things than LeBron James. I mean, he was a superstar when he was in high school. His games are getting televised on ESPN. I mean, he is an entitled uh, athlete. If there ever was an entitled athlete, it's LeBron James. Yet he developed into this incredibly competitive, unbelievable work ethic. Everything he needed to do to turn into one of the best players of all time, he did. That's the part that people don't focus on and don't understand, and whether they believe it or not, you don't get to the level that he's gotten to. And you look at his athleticism, you look at his ability to play 45 minutes every single night and expend so much energy on both sides of the floor. You don't get that by just rolling the ball out there and using your God-given talent. It's got to be married with tremendous uh, work ethic. For Embiid, and when I talk about not being there uh, every day, I've gotten that from people that are there every day. The Tom Moores of the world, the Andy Jasners of the world. The Sixers coddle Joel Embiid. I I don't know if that's the case with Ben Simmons. Oh, it has to be. 
It has to be. I mean, Brett coached I, I him mean, in Australia, known as his family. I don't know how he's not coddled. Yeah, I'm just saying from a personal standpoint. Right. Like, right. I know one. I don't know the other. Even from a point of Joel and his injuries and his foot issues. Mm-hmm. I, one thing Tom Moore told me is that they let him on the practice floor with no sneakers on. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just dumb for a guy who's had so many issues uh, uh, with his feet and his lower body as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but they don't want to upset him. And again, I, I think it's I maybe the Sixers are worse than some, uh, but that I think is a league-wide problem. And I think that's where the personal part of it comes into effect. You you have two paths to go if you're going to be an entitled uh, athlete. And most superstar NBA players are. Most superstars in every sport mm-hmm. are. Now, people are going to glom onto that and say, McMullen's trying to criticize. No, everybody does that. But you choose your path. LeBron chose his path. And that's work ethic and doing the work and doing everything, Joel has not taken that path. Yeah, that has to be earned a little bit. Like like you said, uh, if Steph Curry comes out on the floor for a shoot-around without sneakers, it's a little bit different. If LeBron does it, if Kevin Durant does it, you insert any superstar that's been there. And been there means winning a title or, or leading their team to a deep playoff run. That's one thing. But you just feel like now Embiid and Simmons – and this isn't breaking news, but they need some type of of leadership from the coach or at least the organization to say, you can't do this. This is what we need you to do. This is how you have to lead by example. These are the things you should and shouldn't do. That needs to be done from at least where I'm sitting. I'm not inside that building every day, but I do talk to people who are, and I am talking about that team and following that team closely and the NBA closely. And, and that is a fact that, they have not proven on and off the floor that they could lead, they being Ben and Joel. So guess what? Someone else has to show them the way or else nothing's really going to get done. Nothing's really going to improve. And, and that's at least how I feel about it. Um, and, John, I just want to transition because we're not going to do too long of an episode on this, but I want your thoughts on the Ben Simmons videos on uh. social media because now, all right, there was a video of Ben like sitting on the side of an empty gym sideline saying, Orlando, I'm coming for you down in Orlando. Things are changing. And there's a lot of video over the past week or two of Ben Simmons shooting by himself and in practice with the team, much more three-point shots. So what do you think about all this? <laughs> well, I, I would think, hey, you brought up off the air, and I think it would be uh, a little bit insulting if all of a sudden he started shooting threes with no fans in the stands. Because if you're a star athlete and you're affected by the people in stands, that's not good. That's just flat out not good. Um, that's number one. Number two, and I always you know, bring up a Rajon Rondo story, who, who was – a great player uh, and at, at his apex, uh, you know, he was, he was a triple double guy. He had the amazing ability to rebound uh, at the guard position, but you know, it was one Achilles heel was always couldn't shoot the basketball. And that's mm-hmm. what prevented him from being a really, really dominant player. Um, and I just remember, <laughs> Uh, going to an all-star game and it was during that era where they started 
the horse competition, but it wasn't part of All-Star Saturday. It was sort of <laughs> a different outdoor uh, court. And they're playing horse, and these are NBA players, and Rondo was in it. And it was so boring because they're just draining 30-footers, Rondo included. Like, by himself, for an NBA player, that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing. But you get on the floor and you have NBA defenders, especially if you're a star, it becomes much more difficult. So, A, I don't give a you-know-what about videos of somebody shooting on YouTube. And as you mentioned, Ryan, it's been three years now. But, you know, to bring back in our, our, our previous point and about being a leader and maturity I heard that so many times when these two players first got here Mm. and well, they're very young. They're very young. They'll mature. Give them time. Give them time. I hate that. I'm always reminded of, of wedding crashes. You remember that scene where, uh, uh, I remember all the scenes. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson are, are, uh, after a night of wedding crashers, I think it was, uh, one of the monuments, I forget the monument. Yeah, probably. they're sitting on the steps, uh, passing the champagne yeah. bottles back and forth. And, yeah. and Vince goes, ah, we're young, you know, and Owen Wilson, we're not that young anymore. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. I mean, they're young compared to me, but they're veteran players in the NBA now. And that's why it reminds me, we're not that young anymore. <laughs> I, I, at some point, it clicks or it doesn't. I, I think the assumption is, that everybody matures. And I always point people to their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, in your own life, some people mature, some people don't. Yeah. It's not everybody, and certainly everybody does not mature at the same level with the same time frame. So no. I, I go back to wedding crashes and say they're not that young anymore from an NBA standpoint. No, and that's another thing that – I don't even really want to get too into right now because that's a great topic that I like discussing. That's something I've argued and debated in the past, which is the defenders, so to speak. And I'm not on one side. I know in today's world, you always have to pick a side, but hater. I know I'm a hater. Fine. Deem me a hater. If you want, I know what I am, but you know, people say, well, he's 22. He's 24. He's 20. He's 22. Whatever it is over the past recent years. Look at LeBron. He didn't win to 27. Look at so-and-so. Look at this. And it's like, okay, well, then what? Then what? Should we not assess them? We should well, not I criticize find, them? You know, you bring that up. I find it interesting. You're right. LeBron didn't win uh, for a long period of time. But let's compare LeBron at his stage of his career to these two players at their mm-hmm. stage. Who do you think was ahead? No, I mean, right. I mean, give me a break with that comparison. You can see. Yeah. And that's a great point. You can see um, trajectory of players, you know, progressing. And Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, really, for the most part, they've been great since day one. And I think that's part of the I don't know the word anomaly, confusion, mystique around them is really since day one. Joel Embiid, I remember his first game, he came in, knocked down like a fadeaway at the foul line, looked good, hit a three, had a nice post-Hakeem-like move, and you're like, wow, okay, this guy can do it all. Same with Ben Simmons. But from that point, they've progressed a little, 
but not how we really want them to progress. And they're still all-stars, but it's still a big-time conundrum. And I want to go back to this point, and we can maybe close out after this. You said um, – I had it written down. Hold on. You, you talked about Ben Simmons shooting with no fans. And how do we interpret that? I don't know how else I would be able to explain that besides that being a negative. If it really took Ben Simmons for the first time to shoot without any hesitation to be in front of no fans – I don't know how I could even feel good about that moving forward. And maybe I'm being cynical. Am I, John? Uh, no, I don't think you're being cynical until you see it in a, in a, in a real environment in front of fans, in front of 20,000 people in a, a big time game seven type environment. I mean, just think about uh, everybody knows Michael Jordan's the greatest closer of all time. Uh Kobe Bryant is in that uh, range, Steph Curry. And think about what they do. Think about those particular players. They relish the opportunity to go into an opposing building and just tear the heart out mm-hmm. of those 20,000 people. One of the great things about being in an NBA arena during a playoff team, playoff game is that environment. When you see that big shot, and you see 18,000 people go from being nuts, shaking the building to complete silence. Hmm. I I mean, it's the best players like that live for that. Steph Curry did it so many times during this warriors run where he just pull up from a ridiculous 30 foot range where every coach in the world would typically say, Bad shot, bad shot. Yes. They say, no, 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 yes. As it as he sinks it and just tears the heart out of the opposition. And, of course, Kobe was mm-hmm. a legend at that, uh, just devastating people. Look, until you have that, and let's be honest, that they're never going to have that. They, these are not those types of players. But those are all-time greats. That's not an insult to say. But when this all started, you were hopeful of getting to that plateau. I no longer have hope to get to that plateau. I don't know, Ryan. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm a bigger hater than you. These <laughs> players are not getting to that plateau. No, but you mentioned you mentioned Curry, um, Kobe, and Michael Jordan. All right. So, and those are three of the all-time greatest offensive players, besides overall. But just to touch on what we're talking about going on the road in a game seven uh, and just knocking down a dagger that silences the crowd. Those guys are the epitome of that. But you also have guys like LeBron James and Magic Johnson who didn't really have that in them to the level that those guys did. But you were, you're confident that if the Lakers are in a game seven this year in the postseason, LeBron's going to make a play. All right, maybe he's not going to hit a dagger three with someone in his face, although we've seen it once or twice. He's going to make a play. Right now with Ben Simmons, I'm not confident. And even Joel Embiid, you can throw in there. Four minutes left, two minutes left, 30 seconds left, game tied in a game seven. I don't know if those guys are going to make a play. We've seen Joel Embiid, how he handles double teams, how he handles you know, having the ball with a minute left. It's not great. And Ben Simmons – is essentially non-existent in those situations. So 
I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I, I would say there's a little bit of a divergence. Like, I, I think Joel's problems, basically all of his problems come down to conditioning. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, talk to any wrestling coach or cross-country coach, fatigue makes cowards of us all. That's Joel Embiid's problem. Yeah. Uh, Ben's is – yeah, he doesn't. He he doesn't like. He's scared to shoot the basketball in big situations. There's no other way. You can sugarcoat it all you want. Yeah, There's you're no right. Other way to say it. Yeah, I, I don't think Joel is a, is afraid. He's just dead tired. You know, <laughs> if he's got to play 45 minutes, especially with Marcus All leaning on him, he can't do it. No, no, he's he's physically, as you mentioned, physically unable. To do it, at least what we've seen in the past. Maybe this is different. I, I don't know how it will be, um, but it's going to be interesting to see. So extending the play, NBA edition, talking Ben Simmons, Sixers, um, all-time greats, and everything in between. We hope you enjoyed this episode. So, John, is Ben Simmons going to be shooting threes in Orlando, yes or no? I will say he'll be shooting more threes than he would be if fans were there. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see ten a game, uh, but I think you're going to see an uptick. And like you said, I don't know how much you can get from that unless we're in continual COVID nineteen. We're never going to have fans again. <laughs> I, I don't know how much you're going to gain from that. How much more you're going to know about Ben Simmons uh, when that occurs? Yeah, I don't know either, but. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch Ben shooting or not shooting in front of no fans and what the Sixers can do and really just the NBA as a whole. We talk a lot NFL because that's this podcast, but can baseball get started and remain playing? Can basketball do the same thing? Can hockey do the same thing? Uh, all going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Thank you once again for listening to another episode. Hope you enjoyed this special edition of extending the play follow us and subscribe on apple podcasts and the jacob media youtube channel have a great day everyone